Everybody wants to be unique. Everybody wants to be individual. Everybody wants to feel unique. All, all you have to do is go on to a high school or probably even college campus, and, and you, you see this. You see this. I am unique. I am unique. And you're sitting there looking at this person uh, saying that they're unique. I'm unique. And you're like, you along with the 30 behind you that are dressed just like you, you know, black and chains, black mascara, dude, you know, like... Every, you're unique just like everybody else, right? Just like everybody else. So where, where does that come from? Where does that come from? That comes from the fact that, that God is holy. I'm like, hold on. God is holy? Where does me wanting to be unique? See, a lot of times we see unique or holiness as sinless. But really what unique or holy means is unique, set apart for a specific purpose. And so when the itch inside of us that makes us want to be individual, makes us want to be unique, is actually from God because he's the most unique out there, out there. And, and, and that's what it means that he is holy, that he is set apart and unique. Now, now it is true that he is the most unique because he is sinless. Sin does mess up our uniqueness. Now what we're doing, we're in, a, we're in a series called Formed, and we're, we're taking a look through Genesis, but we're going from Genesis to Isaiah, Genesis to Isaiah, because uh, a guy by the name of Isaiah also wrote a book in the Bible, and he wrote it from the perspective of tying it back to the very beginning, tying it back to the themes that we see in Genesis, and specifically with who God is. And so last week we were in Isaiah, so this week we're going to be back in Genesis. Two weeks ago, we were looking at Genesis 1 and 2 and the, the, the creation. We saw that we are all a formed creation and we are created by God. And then last week we saw, uh, we, we saw a formed strength that, that we are a creation and God wants to form our weakness into strength and he wants to do that. But we're going to go back to Genesis. And if you, re if you ever have read Genesis or if you read Genesis from a very uh, uh, a mindset like I've never read this before here's what you'd be thinking Genesis 1 and 2 you're like wow this stuff is pretty cool God created this stuff everything's perfect everything's great everybody's naked I mean it's great right it's awesome and then you get to Genesis 3 and Genesis 4 and 5 and 6 Genesis 3 through 11 you're going wow Things are jacked up. And there's like stuff in here that desperate housewives wouldn't touch. Like the writers of Desperate Housewives are like, no, 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 that's way too far out for me. Uh -uh. We're not going to touch this. We're not going to touch this. And, and, and so there's some wild stuff in there. And we're going to be taking a look at Genesis 3 through 11, not verses, those chapters. So buckle your seatbelts, fellas, because we are going to go on a journey today. You're going to have to keep up. We're going to have to keep up. I'm going to prepare this week going, whoo, I've been off more than they can chew, but I think we can chew it. You might have to chew your cud, but we can chew it. We can do it. We can get through it. And we're going to take a look <clears throat> first at five different stories. We're going to look at Adam and Eve. We're going to look at Cain and Abel. We're going to look at the flood. We're going to look at Noah. And we're going to look at uh, 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 the Tower of Babel and see how sin affects our holiness and how sin affects us and our holiness, unholiness affects us. 
We're going to start Genesis 3.3. 3. We're going to throw this verses up on the screen. You can follow along there. Uh, smartphone or tablet, uh, 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 the Bible app. You can follow along, uh, follow along there. Or, you know, you can break open what's called a book <coughs> and, and, and follow along in uh, the you know, uh, hard case Bible. Genesis 3.3. 3. Uh, the, the, Satan comes up and, and talks to Eve, and he's in the form of a servant, and, 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 and Satan's like, hey, you know what? <clears throat> did God really say that you, you can't eat of, of that tree? Did, did God really say that? Eve said, it is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Our sin, our unholiness causes death causes death. See, Adam and Eve were intended to live forever. Intended to live forever. We were intended to live forever, and actually really, technically, we will live forever somewhere, some way, somehow. But at the same time, we were never intended to breathe our last breath either. And sin causes death, but we also know, probably deep down within, and maybe you haven't been able to put your finger on it, but death goes beyond taking your last breath. We say things like, you know, a little bit of me died. Something inside of me died. And we, we all feel that death that's caused by sin. Now, maybe, 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 maybe. Maybe we've suppressed it. Maybe we've put it down and tried to ignore it. And, and now, because I'm talking about it, I'm like, pulling off scabs. You know, like, thanks, pal. Appreciate it. But unless we want to deal with it, we've got, we've, we've got to bring it up. We've got to see it. We've got to, we've, got to, we've got to have it right in front of us if, we go, if we're going to deal with it. And sin, our unholiness, causes death. And we felt that. We felt that. That a little bit of us have died. And maybe so much of us have died that we just don't even feel it anymore. And that's actually a bad spot to be in. Because if we don't even feel it, we can't deal with it. So our sin, our unholiness causes death. Also, Genesis 3, 7. They ate the fruit well, Adam and Eve ate the fruit. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt the shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the, the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Sin, unholiness, causes a destroyed innocence inside of us. Adam and Eve were naked at the very beginning, and that was, that, that was symbolism. That was symbolism for innocence. And they destroyed that when they took the fruit. See, what Satan hooked them on was that, hey, 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 God's, God's holding back something from you. God's holding back something. He knows something that you don't know, and he's holding back from you. And the only thing, the only thing that God held back from Adam and Eve from being able to see was evil. God is the only person, the only being who can know evil but not be involved in it. 
And he knew that, and he was trying to protect us. But when we took of the fruit, and we experienced and knew evil, it opened our eyes, and it destroyed our innocence. And we felt that before, right? Everything was going good. You felt innocent. You were, you were, you, you were good. But then she happened, or he happened, or that happened, or the economy happened, or... And then something clicked inside of you, inside of all of us. Because I'm, I'm not so innocent anymore. I'm not so innocent anymore. What's, what's wrong? I once was innocent. Maybe I didn't even know that I was innocent. But now, now I realize that uh, I'm not so innocent anymore. We've all felt that. We've all been there. And we've all felt that. And that's unholiness causes that. Sin causes that. Genesis 3.12. After God called them out on it, the man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. See what's going on here? See what's going on? God's like, What did you guys do? And the man, the man throws his wife under the bus. Men, learn from the Bible, all right? You know. The woman that you created, what's Adam doing? He's standing right there. What's he doing? Picking his nose? Durr, durr, durr. He's like, okay, I eat it. But also, do you see who he blames? Who else he blames? The woman you gave me, God. Look, you put me to sleep, took a rib out of me, and boom, all of a sudden she's there. You gave her to me. And God's probably going, hey, look, 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 look. Adam. Five minutes ago, you were okay with the naked woman in front of you, but now she's not okay. You're going to blame me about this? You're going to blame me about this? Sin causes blame. Sin causes blame. We start pointing fingers when we sin. Why? Because we don't want to own it. And then what did Eve do? It was that serpent. It was the snake. And God's probably thinking, your first problem is that you talked with a snake, all right? We start blaming other people and pointing fingers, and we've all been there because, because we don't want to own it. We don't want to own up to our unholiness. We don't want to own up to our sin, and so we start blaming other people. Well, you did, or you taught me, or you, it was my parents, or blah, 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 blah. We start blaming other people instead of owning it. And if we want to see God form us, we've got to own it. Got to own it. 316. Then he said to the woman, God said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And the man, he, uh, and the man uh, to the man, he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you are made. For you are made from dust, and to dust you will return. Do our unholiness because we sin, we have a curse. And God gives curses specifically to the women and, and, and men. And, and, and apparently, childbirth was supposed to be painless. No amens from the woman there? Like, what, really? And then the men that were in there, like, I don't know how that can happen, but okay. 
But also, he said, there's going to be strife in the home. See, what happens with sin is that, is that there's, there's, there's strife. People want to master each other. And there becomes strife in the home. When two sinful people start living with each other, all, all you do is throw your baggage into it, and you've you got to figure out. But also to the man, he said, look, 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 look you're going to try and work, you're going you're gonna to sweat, and you're, gonna, and you're just going to eke out a living. It's not going to be as easy as me just providing for you, although he does. But the garden was just supposed to be like fruit popping off of trees, and you're just going, oh, I'll work to get that fruit. Boop. But now you've got to do it yourself. With unholiness, there's a curse, and we've probably felt that before. We've probably felt that before, that, that when she happened, or he happened, or it happened, or the deal happened, or whatever, all of a sudden we're going, oh. It seems like everything fell apart. It seems like everything was going good, and then there was a curse on on me, on my life after, after that happened and I don't know, I don't know what's going on and I don't know what, what happened. See with unholiness, with sin, it causes a curse. And that's all just one story. That's all just Adam and Eve. And then they had kids, Cain and Abel. 4-1, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as, as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching out the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master sin causes jealousy sin causes jealousy see what we've got going on we've got two brothers one works the ground one is a shepherd and one brother brought the the fruits of the ground and another one brought the fruits of his of his of his flock and and some people want to say oh it's because cain brought uh brought grain and and, and and abel brought the lambs and that's what god likes well for those of you that understand where i'm going there guess what god called for both sacrifices in the old testament so i don't think that's what god's saying Here's what God is getting at with Cain. Your heart's not right. Your heart's not right with me. And it's producing jealousy between you and your brother. And we've all felt that before. We've all felt the jealousy because somebody else is looking better than us. And sin causes that. A heart from God, far from God, causes that. Unrighteousness causes that. It causes jealousy to occur in our life. But also, we see something else from this story. We see something else from this, uh, from this uh, uh, section of verses. The sin causes pretending. Sin causes pretending. See, Cain was like, no, no, everything's good. Everything's cool. My heart's fine, God. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. 
We like to pretend that, that everything's just fine when, when it's a wreck inside of us. And it causes problems. And it causes us to pretend that, that, that nothing is wrong inside of us. And we've all been there. And maybe some of us come to church in order to pretend that nothing is wrong and that we look good. And, or maybe that's some, why some of you have stayed away from church. Is that you feel like people are simply just pretending that nothing is wrong. Sin causes us to pretend. But also, here's what we see. Sin causes a lack of discipline. Sin causes no discipline. You got crouching tiger, hidden dragon, or whatever, whatever that is, right? Sin is crouching at your door, ready to pounce on you. You better look out. You better master it. You better subdue it. But none of us can master it. It all will master us. It lacks discipline, and we felt that in our life. We're like, I'm never again, never again going to do this. What is it? Round about average five seconds later, God, what? I did it again. Oops, I did it again. Anyway, we do it again. All the promises, all the promises. We, we go back and we do it again. And we lack discipline. And sin is, is caused by sin. So Cain went out and he killed Abel. And God came up to Cain and the whole, you know, Where's your brother? And Cain's am I my brother's keeper? God knows. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. The punishment that you gave me is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. Now, th think about this. Think about this. Everybody on the face of the earth at this point in time was either a parent or a sibling of Cain and Abel. And Cain's like, dude, my brothers and sisters are going to kill me because I killed one of their own. What sin causes is unbearable consequences. And we felt that on our shoulders. We're like, this is unbearable. I cannot live up to these consequences. These are too, these are, this is too heavy on my shoulders. I cannot bear these consequences. Just like Cain said, I can't bear these consequences from you, God. I cannot bear these consequences. That's what, that's what sin causes. Unbearable consequences. Unbearable consequences. And we've all felt that. And now, shifting to the flood, Genesis 6, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was constant, consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Our sin causes God grief. Our sin causes God sorrow. And see, maybe we're used to a lightning bolt God, or maybe that's our image of God, that God's just here to send lightning bolts, but... But first and foremost, our, our, our sin causes him grief. And in the New Testament, we see the same exact thing, that, 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 God, that we can grieve God with our sin. And those of us, our parents, we've played this card before, right? I'm so disappointed in you. 
And if we're not parents yet, we've heard that one used on us, right? And it comes from God as a parent. If almost, it almost seems like he's, he's sorry he made us, not because he's like, I can't believe you, but I can't believe that I've put you into this. And maybe fathers who, who have experienced kids leaving the home like this have felt the same exact thing. I, I'm, I'm sorry that I created you and have put you into this situation. And our sin, our unholiness causes God grief. But it also causes judgment. And we see this from the story of the flood. And, you, and some of you might be like, Aha! See, I knew it! I knew it! There's the lightning bolt, God! The judgment, God! See, I knew it! I was just waiting. I knew it! Well, imagine that. Just imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine as a, as, a, as a father having a son that just came in so upset, so ticked off, so just done with the home that he wrecked the home came up to his father and said, you, I'm through with you, and spat in his face and walked out. Fathers, what would rise up in you? Maybe a little bit of judgment? Like a few weeks ago, we talked about how we don't need to judge each other. And you can go back and you can listen to that on the podcast. But... But I think we should probably expect a holy God to judge unholiness as well. And see, that, that fear of judgment is actually what draw, draws us to Him. But we also feel it on our own shoulders. We've all felt judgment on our own shoulders. And maybe a lot of times when we point the fingers at other people and go, you don't judge me, Maybe, maybe, maybe just saying, hypothetically, potentially, it's because we feel the weight of our own judgment on our own life, on our own shoulders, coming out, and we're projecting that on somebody else. Because we are going to judge ourselves harder than somebody else. And we've all felt the weight of that. We've all felt the weight of that. The flood happens. God cleans out the earth. Noah uh, disembarks, and after the flood, Noah begins to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. <clears throat> One day, he drank some wine he had made, and he became drunk. I'm like, oh, this is good. He became drunk and lay naked inside of his tent. That didn't fit on a Sunday school, a Sunday school flannel graph board, did it? Didn't make, didn't make the flannel board in Sunday school, did it? <laughs> like, I can't believe that's in the Bible. Yeah, that's, in the, that's one of those desperate housewives ain't going to touch that moment, yeah. And some of you are probably like, wow, isn't he a little bit too old for that? Yeah, he was, the flood occurred when he was 600 years old. So <clears throat> we're at a good 580 years past frat days. Uh, so he probably should have matured past you know, drunk, naked inside of a tent. But anyway, it's, it's there. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and, and went outside and told his brothers, like, hey guys, look at that! And Shem and Japheth, fathers, again, we can learn from the Bible here, all right? Don't, drunk and naked inside of a tent when you have kids, bad idea. 
anyway. Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over his shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so that they would not see him naked. Our, our, our sin and unrighteousness causes embarrassment. Causes embarrassment. Because, uh, many of us are probably thinking, if you only knew, right? And we say that. Why? Because we don't want you to know because it would embarrass me. It is embarrassing me. And we've all been there. I've been there this week. We had the, the boys were playing outside and, 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 and the ball kept going out in the street and we live in a pretty dead uh, uh, street and, 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 and so I kept trying to tell him, trying to tell him, trying to tell him, you know, stop and look before you just run into the street and then lo and behold they get up to the edge of the driveway and there's a truck coming and I yell out for them to stop. They stopped and after they got the ball and came back or the truck stopped as, as well, they, they saw and, and came back and, and I was trying to warned them about the dangers again of running out into the street and, and Josiah my second looks around and sees a neighbor kid uh, like watching all this happen and he's like ah Caleb and runs off and I yell <laughs> get in the house but 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 if you'd be one of my neighbors you'd be like that's my pastor <laughs> No, you, no, hold on, huh? you all been there, right? Right? Oh, dang, my windows are open. My neighbors just heard what I... Why? Because we're embarrassed. We're embarrassed. Sin causes embarrassment. We've all felt the weight of that. Just, you know, that's why we're not just doing it out in front of people. It causes embarrassment. Genesis 11, Tower of Babel. Then they, the people of the earth, said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches to the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Sin causes us to find our own image. It causes us to go out and try and find our own image. Ironically, this, the, 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 we try and find our own image, but God has given us his image. And so we, we are trying to find our own image. In fact, the baseline underneath Pretty much every sin is us trying to find our own image. And just like the people in Genesis 11, we try to do the same thing today. Sin causes us to go out and try to find our own image. And then same story, Genesis 11. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. Uh, God caught, uh, they all spoke one language. That's when, that's when we got different languages and thus different cultures. And God scattered them. And we know, we felt the weight of us scattered. Everything felt in, in sync. Everything felt together. Everything, we felt like we had it all in our hand. That he happened or she happened or it happened or economy happened and that happened and the deal happened. And, and then all of a sudden, it just felt like it just shattered. And we're scattered now. We felt the weight of that because of our sin. Woo, happy day. So glad I came to church this morning. We have to respond to this, right? We have to respond to the weight of the sin. We have to respond to the weight of the unholiness. We have a few options. One is to ignore it. We can try and hide it and ignore it and put it down and, and, and like a beach ball, trying to push a beach ball underneath the water, we can try and ignore it. But eventually, what does the beach ball want to do? Boop. And you're like, hey, thanks for hitting the beach ball out of my hand. Now I have to deal with it, right? Or, 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 or we can, we can try and legalize it. We can try and legalize morality. 
We can try and try religion. We can try to, to, to go legalism. We can try and be moral. We can try and be good and, 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 and try that route. Here's what Paul says. The writer of the New Testament says about that. Colossians 2.20, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual prowess of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the rules of this world such as don't handle don't taste don't touch such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them these rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline but they prove no or they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires here's what paul is saying to moralize to legalize morality does nothing to bring about morality nothing to bring about morality Absolutely nothing. So that's not going to work either. So what's another option? What's another option? But God. But God. Ephesians 2 talks about how, how, how we are really spawns of Satan. Ephesians 2.4 But God is so rich in mercy. But God. That's a humongous but there. Here we go. Here we go. Those of you who are with us. God likes big butts. And really, a lot of times, God is a big butt. That didn't work out quite like I was intending. But you can tweet that, but I wouldn't. Anyway, here. In the midst of our unholiness. In the midst of our unholiness. God shows up. That's what that means. With his holiness. Informs us through our unholiness and despite our unholiness. Let's look back over those stories and catch some stuff that I missed. Genesis 3.21 And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. But God provides clothing. But, but, but. Here's what he's doing. But God clothes the shame. See, they felt shamed. Their innocence were destroyed. And what do they do? Fig leaves. But what did God give them? Leather. Leather. I'm going to one-up you. I'm going to provide a better covering of your guilt. God wants to cover our shame. Genesis 4.15 The Lord replied back to Cain after Cain was like, this is too much for me to bear. No. For I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. But God bears the weight of our sin. But God bears the weight of our consequence. He doesn't take away the consequence. He bears the weight of our consequence. That's what God wants to do for us. Genesis 6, 8, 9, 7, 1. But God, but Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in cl close fellowship with God. When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with all your family, for among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. But God always sends a righteous one. In the middle of our unholiness, in the middle of our unrighteousness, God always sends a righteous one. Genesis 9, 1 through 4. 
Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, all the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky and all the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror. I have placed them in your power. I have given them to you for food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables, but you must never eat any meat that still has the lifeblood in it. This sounds a lot like what God told Adam and Eve in the garden. God gives us a fresh start. But God gives us a fresh start. Through our unholiness, despite our unholiness, he gives a fresh start. Genesis 11, 8 and 9. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the earth, world. God gives us in the middle of our unholiness and race has caused even more unholiness. But in the middle of that, we also see the gift of diversity. The gift of, of coming together despite our backgrounds, despite our differences. But you know what God's doing? He's laying some foundations here. He's laying a, a, a groundwork for something that's going to occur. And he talks about it in Genesis 3 when he's talking to the snake. Genesis 3.15, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. There's going to be hostility between us and the snake. But, 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 that offspring, you're going to strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Some of you are like, I know what that's going to. And some of you are like, oh, what's this talking about? This is talking about an, uh, an offspring, one offspring of woman that will come that will defeat Satan forever. And that one offspring is Jesus. And what he's doing through the, old, new, old, the whole Old Testament is this. Look, look, Canaan, or, 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 Adam and Eve have some sons. Cain and Abel, and Adam and Eve are like, oh, my offspring, my offspring, is this the one that's going to crush the head of Satan? Oh, one's dead, one's bad. I don't think so. Then we get Noah. Oh, God says that he's righteous, and then he ends up drunk and naked in a tent. I don't think so. In the Tower of Babel, everything is just off its hinges. And through the Old Testament, we keep seeing no, 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 no. But then, but then, but then, there's one that comes who is perfect, who is called the Lamb of God, who is the sacrifice, who is the covering for our shame, who is the one that gives us a new start, who is the clean sacrifice that pleases God. I didn't talk about that one. But when Noah came off the ark, he gave a sacrifice. And it was pleasing to God. Why? Because everything was clean at that point in time. And Jesus is the clean sacrifice. Jesus is the one that allows diversity to come together. It is Jesus that in the middle of our unholiness walks in to it and says, I'm going to form you through your unholiness despite your unholiness. All you got to do is get on the boat. Get on the boat. Saying, I'm, I'm tired of all that stuff that sin causes. I'm done with it. I'm through with it. It's over. I want a clean start. I want, 
a clean sacrifice. I want a covering for my shame. I want something new. And get on the boat. Because with the righteous one, with the righteous one, comes one of two things. Judgment, up against the righteous one, or salvation. One or the other. So we could sit there and say, I'm fine in my unholiness. I'll keep trying. I'm good. And the flood waters will wash over us. Or I can say, I'm getting on the boat. I am getting on the boat. And I'm going to trust that you are my fresh start. We all have that choice this morning. Some of you, it's getting on the boat for the first time. For some of us, we've gotten on the boat, but we have a tendency to jump off the boat, don't we? We need to cry out to God and say, can you get, please get me back up on the boat? Because God wants to form you and form me through our unholiness, despite our unholiness, with His holiness. As the band plays, one question. Are you on the boat? How is God forming you? I want to be right up here. You can grab me. You can talk with me. I turn off my mic so no, it's not, you won't be embarrassed. Shelly's back in the back. You can grab somebody that you trust. But how is God forming you right now? Colossians 3, 1 through 2. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Ignoring it doesn't work. Legalizing morality doesn't work. Focusing on Jesus who is in heaven. That's what works to transform what's going on inside of you and inside of me. We're all a work in progress. For God to work, we've got to be on the boat. That's the question this morning. Are you on the boat? Let's pray. Hey, Father Lord, help us. Work in us. Show us who you are. Show us that even though you are holy, that you have the right to judge and lightning bolt and all of that right here and right now, you don't so that you can form us in your holiness. No matter where we are, no matter what background, no matter, no matter what's going on or what we bring in, or form us. Show us how you're forming us. Now let us deal with you right now. And let us see how great your holiness is. In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us. And as we sing, you can pray. Or you can sing praising God's holiness.
and the greatness of His holiness. And if you need somebody, grab somebody. 